You're listening to Just One of the Guys, the podcast that once shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps rolling on down to San Antonio. Hello and welcome to another Scared Straight edition of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. This is an internet radio show covering the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, comic book fandom's most underappreciated Green Lanterns. Hello again, my name's Sean Nigel, and I'm going to be the host for this internet radio show. I'd like to thank everyone, again, for downloading the show and listening. Downloads have really been up, been getting some really good feedback in the email section, and I'm really happy to be doing this podcast, especially this one, because this podcast is going to be covering the comic book series that is the analog to the Emerald Dawn series. In this one, we're going to cover the downfall of Sinestro, and the new introduction of Guy Gardner to the current, well, then-current DC continuity. Yes, folks, we're going to be covering, over the next couple of weeks, Emerald Dawn Part 2, the comic series filled with plenty of prison showering, prison riots, prison escapes, prison shiving, intergalactic political intrigue, anal retentiveness by the character of Sinestro, ridiculous over-the-top anger by the character of Guy Gardner, giant robots with the coolest Green Lantern costumes ever, ridiculous over-the-top stereotype of prisoners who tend to talk like, well, characters who are not exactly of their ethnic background, weaselly, bespectacled cellmates that are actually master criminals and incredible escape artists, and the possibility of body cavity searches. So, it's going to be a fun ride over the next couple of weeks, so... In order to allow you to prepare for all of that and more, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to play a promo for an excellent podcast that all of you should be listening to. And then when we get back, we're going to start off with Chapter 1 of Green Lantern, Emerald Dawn Part 2. So, stay tuned. In the decade of the 1970s and 80s, not even the great city of Metropolis could be spared the ravages of an energy crisis, supercriminal attacks, or disco. The job of protecting the city fell to Superman, whose battle for truth, justice, and the American way made him a symbol of hope for the city of Metropolis. Charlie Niemeyer in association with the Superman Podcast Network, presents Superman in the Bronze Age.
Superman of the Bronze Age is a bi-weekly podcast highlighting the Bronze Age adventures of the Man of Steel in various comic titles. Follow along at www.supermanofthebronzeage.com. And we're back. Just as a side note, listening to Charlie's promo and hearing the Superman theme well up like that, I don't know about you, but as a comic book fan, that theme gives me chills every time I hear it. It is one of perhaps the best musical themes that I really know of, surpassing even the Star Wars and Star Trek themes in my mind. I really enjoy hearing it, and i got to tell you, please go check out Charlie's podcast, and please go check out all the podcasts on the Superman Podcast Network. If you're a comic book fan, you're going to find something there that you're going to love. But now, on to something that I love, Green Lantern comic, Emerald Dawn number 2, part 1. The first chapter is titled, The Powers That Be. Its cover date was April 1991. The cover price was $1 US, $1.25 Canada, and 50 pence UK. The story was by Keith Giffen. Dialogue was by Gerard Jones. Pencils, M.D. Bright. Inks, Romeo Tangal. Letters, Albert Guzman. Colors, Anthony Tolan. Assistant Editor, Kevin Dooley. And Editor, Andy Helfer. The story opens as Hal Jordan pleads guilty for the crime of drunk driving. Thinking that he will pay his dues with community service, Hal is shocked to discover that the judge wants to send a message about drunk drivers to the people. And with a bang of his gavel, he sentences Hal to 90 days in a maximum security penitentiary. Later, Hal is talking to Carol about his sentence. Carol believes that the judge wanted to make an example of Hal, and Hal is wondering why he decided to trust the authorities. But before he can finish his conversation, Hal is taken off to prison. While in the paddy wagon, Hal hears a police bulletin about a robbery. Creating a construct image of himself, Hal dashes off to the crime scene as Green Lantern. He confronts the masked criminals and easily subdues them, after getting wanged on the head by Yellow Stanchion. Encasing them later in a prison made up the folded tile of the floor, Hal heads back to the paddy wagon, just as it arrives at the prison. As he gives up his items for entry into the prison, the guard asks Hal to surrender his ring as well. Making the ring invisible, Hal asks the guard, What ring? To which the guard politely suggests, The one we will find after your body cavity search. Meanwhile on Oa, the guardians look upon the planet that they have rebuilt after the attack by Legion worried that the loss of core members has only been met by the replacement of the neophyte Hal Jordan, the Guardians wonder if he needs further training in wielding the ring. After a suggestion from a fellow Guardian, the group agrees that the lantern they should send to mentor Hal should be Sinestro. Back on Earth, Hal is getting to know his new cellmate, the King of Hell. Thinking that he could take this guy apart as Green Lantern, Hal lets the lunkhead monologue on, until he falls over, dead from a prison shank to the back. Hal, being the obvious suspect, is brought to meet with his caseworker, one Guy Gardner. Guy says that he believes Hal's claim of innocence, and the two chat of football, aggression, and how Guy is going to clear him of these charges. Above his home planet, Green Lantern Sinestro is making quick work of some invading alien forces. After thrashing them mercilessly, 
the aliens beat a hasty retreat, and Sinestro cleans up the debris from the battle. Musing about how happy the people of Kurigar will be to see their protector, Sinestro heads planetside as the crowds cheer his arrival. As he lands, he is greeted by Kat Matui, who rewards him with a bouquet of flowers. Sinestro thanks his charges for the reception, until he steps on a piece of broken glass that someone left in his path. Fuming that someone could allow such disorder to come to his homeworld, Sinestro is about to make an example of someone, when he is suddenly teleported away in a puff of green smoke. Sinestro reappears in front of the Guardians, who inform him that he is to be Hal Jordan's new trainer. Concerned that his absence will lead to disorder on Kurigar, Sinestro reluctantly heads toward Earth. Back on Earth, Hal is thinking how the ring could be his ticket out of jail, but he realizes that it wouldn't be him taking responsibility for his actions. But just as Hal resolves not to use the ring, who should appear in his cell but his new trainer, Sinestro. Like I said before, Emerald Dawn 1, or I guess just Emerald Dawn, was Hal Jordan's story. It was basically his origin revamped for the modern era. Essentially what we're getting in Emerald Dawn 2 is Sinestro's story revamped for the modern era. And I know we had a little bit of Sinestro and Emerald Dawn, but I don't think he had any real speaking parts. He may have just had one. He was kind of a background character. But you really get to know him, and we're going to get to know what brought about his downfall from the Green Lantern. So, that's done. Let's take a look at the notes for the issue. The cover, uh, it's a nice cover. It's Hal uh, basically in jail. Again, a kind of yellow jail, which is probably a problem for Hal as Green Lantern. The other problem for Hal as Green Lantern is that he's behind bars in his Green Lantern uniform, which is probably not the best way to keep his secret identity so secret. I mean, everyone in prison is going to know that he's Green Lantern. Page 4, panel 5. We get Hal escaping from the paddy wagon as he's going to prison, and it really doesn't make sense. You know, we've seen him phase through buildings and through windows and all this stuff before, but this time he decides to open the rear door of the paddy wagon, leave a construct inside, and exit that way doesn't make much sense. It would make more sense if he just phased out of the top of the wagon. You know, someone's going to kind of notice that the rear door of the prison wagon is open. At least that's what I would think. Page 6, panel 1. Hal uses his ring to melt the guns, you know, sort of a la Superman's heat vision. And it's a neat effect. Unfortunately, the guns don't look like regular machine guns. Their barrels are really thick. They might be paste guns. Could Hal have been the first person to actually take on Paste Pot Pete? You never know. And same page, panel 4. Here's a little one for Sally P. Hal gets wanged in the head by a yellow stanchion. And if you're wondering what a stanchion is, I had to look it up myself. It's one of those pole things that they use at the bank or at clubs to keep the velvet ropes uh, tied up. It's basically one of those little metal poles that you can move around. I didn't know what it was, so remember that as much as you remember what an aglet is. I'll let Phineas and Ferb tell you about that. 
page 8, panel 4, we get a kind of neat idea from Hal, pulling up the linoleum off the floor, I guess the big sheets of it, and cornering in the criminals so they can't get out. It's a neat little way to capture them without having to keep them in a ring construct cell or anything like that. But also, Hal, it's kind of destruction of property, so you're not really making any friends with all the damage that you're causing there. And then also on page 8, panel 6, we get Hal escaping out of the room, phasing through the roof. You know, why he couldn't do this in the paddy wagon still kind of boggles my mind. Page 10, panel 4, we get after the prison guard has asked Hal to remove the ring, you kind of wonder whether Hal is actually making the ring invisible, whether he's phasing it out into the dimension where he keeps the lantern, or what exactly he's doing with it. All we know is this is going to cause Hal problems, as now Hal's going to have to go get a uncomfortable, probably humiliating body cavity search. But that's what you get when you joke around with prison guards. Um, not that I know or anything. Page 11, holy cow, every building, even if you look at the panel, the first panel here, even the planet of Oa is a bright, bright yellow. Are the Guardians just the biggest dicks in the universe? I, I still, I know it's a running theme, but I still don't get it. Page 12, I think it's kind of ironic that Green Lantern for Emerald Dawn is in prison, and later in the 90s there would be a television show called Oz, which was set in the quote-unquote Emerald City, and it was a pretty violent prison show on HBO. It brought us some pretty interesting characters. I think J.K. Simmons, who played J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man films, got his start there, and Christopher Maloney, who was in Law & Order Special Victims Unit, and also, ironically, played Hal Jordan for the very first time in Green Lantern First Flight, was also in the show. So it's a good show, but kind of creepy. But we get our kind of introduction to Hal's first roommate, this horribly steroided, tattooed-up, bald-headed lunk who's basically monologuing about how he's the king of hell and how Hal's going to basically be his little bitch and he's going to do whatever he wants. And, you know, it's a odd parallel between Emerald Dawn and the Emerald City in the TV show Oz. Page 13, panel 4, we get our first, well, I guess our first post-crisis continuity appearance of Guy Gardner. He looks a little different, probably because he's in a business suit and doesn't have the bowl haircut, but he still does have the red hair, and as we find out later, he still does have some major problems with aggression. Page 14, panel 4, this is probably one of the first times and sadly probably one of the last times that Hal is actually going to be in awe of Guy. You know, he realizes that Guy was this linebacker from Michigan and he really had a lot of respect for him. Too bad that won't be the case, you know, when Guy actually gets the ring. Page 15, we get a nice, like, three-quarter panel splash of Sinestro just really going through some of these invading alien ships. He's not blasting with ring energy. He's just basically flying through them and causing them to explode. He's messing these guys up big time. And then page 16, panel 1, we get the uh, image of the aliens that Sinestro has basically been messing up these past couple of panels. And they look like the Gorn, except instead of being green and not very mobile, these guys are sort of a purplish and they're wearing yellow undershirts. It's an interesting look. 
in pages 18 to 20, we get the kind of idea that, yes, maybe the citizens of Kurgar are happy to have Sinestra there, but if you kind of look at the subtext that they put in the artwork, they're kind of fearful of Sinestro. And this idea is really cemented as Sinestro's, you know, thanking all the crowd and smiling as they all cheer for him. And he walks along and steps on a piece of glass, just a small little piece of glass. And his face turns from that of smiling graciousness to that of absolute disdain. And he looks like he's going to take it out on some people. And then the final panel on page 20 as Sinestro is teleported away with a green puff of smoke and a pop, you see two of the people who were celebrating behind him go, oh, praise the countless gods. So the idea that Sinestro is actually loved on the planet Kuragar is kind of called into question. But that's the end of Chapter 1. We're going to go take a quick break, play a promo, and we'll be back with Chapter 2. The Hulk on Podcasts. Hulk like podcasts. Hulk listen to podcasts while Hulk smash. The Hulk on Peter David. Hulk like to read Peter David comics. Hulk have problem making words. Hulk write down. Peter David wrote a seminal run on the Incredible Hulk for 12 years. Some of the most provocative, compelling stories came from this era, filled with striking psychological overtones bold character developments, and sharp humor. Along with artists like Todd McFarlane, Dale Keown, and Gary Frank, Peter David took the Incredible Hulk and the comic book medium as a whole to new heights. The Hulk on Peter David Podcasts. Uh, Hulk not find Peter David Podcasts. Hulk get mad. Hulk smash! Hey folks, in order to appease the Rampaging Hulk, there is an Incredible Hulk podcast devoted to Peter David. Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast, looks at the entire Peter David run on the Hulk, issue by issue in a bi-weekly format. Join me, J. David Weeder, on a journey through the saga of old J. Jaws at www.incrediblehulksmash.com. Incredible Hulk and all related characters copyright Marvel Comics. Pad Smash is not responsible for gamma radiation sickness, smashed MP3 players, overturned vehicles, tanks thrown through the ceiling, injured supervillains on the lawn, gamma bomb detonations, property damage from debris, deep-rooted psychological damages as a result of intense child abuse resulting in an alternate self-destructive personality with the strength of an atom bomb, or anal leakage. And we're back. Pad Smash is an excellent podcast. J. David's taking a break until summer when he and his new co-host will be back with new episodes. So if you get a chance, go check out his back catalog and listen to some of those podcasts. But right now, let's start with Emerald Dawn 2, Part 2. The title was Balance of Power. The cover date was May 1991. Cover price was $1 US, $1.25 Canada, and 50 pence UK. Story was Keith Giffen, dialogue Gerard Jones, pencils M.D. Bright, inks Romeo Tangal, letters Albert Guzman, colors Anthony Tolens, assistant editor Kevin Dooley, and editor Andy Helfer. The story opens with Green Lantern Sinestro, wondering how a fellow Lantern could live in such a hog wallow. Hal tries to explain the situation as a prison guard walks by. 
Seeing a suspicious green light coming from Hal's cell, the guard informs Hal that he will be keeping his eye on him. As the guard leaves, Sinestro reappears and says he is here to train Hal, despite his misgivings. After creating a construct replica of a sleeping Hal, the two blast off as Sinestro tries to teach people how to maintain order in his sector and beyond. We cut to a trilateral meeting between the Kuns, the Citadel, and the Dominators, who are discussing a plot to control intergalactic trade. Things are going well until Hal and Sinestro try and put a stop to their machinations. Sinestro tries to end the situation with diplomacy, but Hal takes a more direct approach. After ring construct punching the aliens and tossing them out the window, Hal feels that he's done a good job at defusing the situation. Sinestro begs to differ, as he tells the disabled aliens that only if only one Green Lantern could do this much damage to their alliance, think of what the might of the entire Corps could do. As Hal and Sinestro fly off, the trio decides to halt their plans for galactic domination. For now. Cut back to the prison, where a nebbish escapee named Willie is shown to his bunk with inmate Hal Jordan. Grumbling about his predicament, Willie tries to climb onto the top bunk, but slips and steps on the head of his sleeping roommate. Uh, correction, he steps through the head of his sleeping roommate. As Hal returns from his training mission with Sinestro, he heads back into his cell in the hopes of getting a few hours of sleep. But the possibility of that is quashed as he encounters his new roommate, who is thunderstruck by the entrance of a Green Lantern. I may have failed to mention it in previous episodes, but I'm really enjoying Bright and Tangal's artwork during these issues. They really make all the characters look very dynamic, while not sort of falling into that sort of over-hyper-realized ideal that the 90s seemed to bring out. The characters' uh, artwork is really nice and clean, and I'm liking the way it's looking. But on with the notes for the issue. Uh, Let's take a look at the cover. It's a nice cover of how basically finishing up, mopping up some aliens. You've got to assume it's some of the lackeys of the Dominators of the Kuns from the encounter that he and Sinestro had. And as they all lie around on the floor, battered and bruised, Hal's standing there with his fist in his hand, looking kind of smug, and Sinestro's in the background with his hands crossed, saying, Not bad. For a beginner. And it's a neat cover, except Sinestro has kid and play hair. Yeah, I know Sinestro is supposed to have the sort of square, sort of high-cut thing, but it's really high-cut. I mean, it is definitely a kid haircut. Page 2, we kind of get the idea that Sinestro might be suffering from a bit of OCD. I mean, here he's complaining about the, the detestable conditions, all the dust and dirt around. He obviously has some problems with order, as we're going to see throughout the rest of the storyline. Pages 7 and 8, we get the beginning of what was going to be the Invasion storyline for DC. I know it was a big crossover event that happened after Legends, and I remember the guys from From Crisis to Crisis, Jeffrey and Michael, really enjoying the storyline. Unfortunately, I've never read it, 
So if you want to have any information about the Invasion storyline, definitely go over to From Crisis to Crisis and check out their back catalog and listen to those episodes. But from what I recall, it was basically an invasion, well, hence the title, takeover by these three races that wanted to basically control the galaxy. One race are the Kuns, K-H-U-N-D-S, who basically look very Mongolian and very Kirby-esque in these sort of purple helmets that have the nose piece that comes down in front of them, separating their eyes. Then we have the controllers, which are these gray sort of, well, they look like bipedal rhinos with uh, two tusks coming out of their face. And finally, we have the really creepy dominators, which look like the stereotypical grays with the large sort of bulbous ovoid heads, except their mouths are this giant set of really sharp, creepy-looking teeth, and in the middle of their forehead is a giant red dot. Oh, and also, probably to foil the Green Lanterns, their bodies are yellow, which probably messes them up a bit. Page 8, panel 2, we get the Kun saying, Yes, but we'd set ourselves up as a power block, tipping the balance of terror out of whack. If the other powers saw us as a threat, and then the Dominator comes in and talks in the next panel, but I thought it was interesting that they made a reference to the Star Trek episode, Balance of Terror. I think that may have been Keith Giffen throwing it in. I don't know if everybody's a Star Trek fan, but it makes sense since obviously Sinestro wanted a piece of the action. Wink. Page 14, panel 2. We get Hal starting to call Sinestro Sin. Yes, he shortens Sinestro's name to Sin, which I understand is, you know, a common thing. You take someone's name that's rather long and you shorten it. But turning it into Sin, I mean, could we telegraph that Sinestro's supposed to be evil in any greater way? You know, it, if you weren't tipped off by the fact that his first name is basically Sinister with an O on it, changing it to Sin really doesn't help matters much. Page 16, panel 4, we get Sinestro basically showing how much of a control freak as he's screaming at Hal after he mopped the floor with the alien races going, I had the situation under control. Do you hear me? Under control. 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 Until you and... Yeah. Sinestro basically has some control issue problems. Then my last note, skip to page 22, and we get a great splash page of... Hal re-entering the jail, unfortunately finding his new cellmate Willie there, freaking out as this Green Lantern flies in through basically the wall. So, it's great. There's going to be another person who's found out Hal's secret identity who's going to have to die. But what we're going to have to do, ha ha ha, is take another break, play another promo, and then we'll come back with Part 3 of Emerald Dawn Part 2. My name is Steve Lacey, and I'm a podcaster. Randomizer hit my long boxes, and now I'm lost in my comic book collection. Help me. Help me. Listen, please, is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm being controlled by an overbearing and fickle randomizer. I'm doing everything I can to review this book in the next 20 minutes. This is the 20 Minute Long Box. The 20 Minute Long Box is the briefest and most random of comic book podcasts. 
Every two weeks, a completely random comic book from my collection is the subject of the show. Find me at the show's site, 20minutelongbox.libsyn.com, the show's blog at 20minutelongbox.wordpress.com, or search for 20 Minute Longbox on iTunes. Prepare yourself for random. Make sure you check out Stephen Lacey's podcast, 20 Minute Longbox. It's a great review of random comic books that Stephen has, and it's all done in 20 minutes. It's a really good show. And also check out his show that he does with the awesome podcaster Andrew Leyland from Hey Kids Comics, The Fantastic Cast, where they're covering the Fantastic Four from basically the very beginning. So they're going to be essentially Futurama heads in the jar when they finally come up to modern continuity. But bringing it back to this side of the pond, we're going to start with Part 3 of Emerald Dawn Part 2. The title of this chapter is Power Play. The cover date was June 1991. The cover price was a dollar US, dollar twenty-five Canada, and fifty pence UK. The writers this time were Keith Giffen and Gerard Jones. The pencilers were M.D. Bright, or was M.D. Bright. Inks were Romeo Tongal. Letters Albert Guzman. Colors Anthony Tolan. Assistant editor Kevin Dooley, and editor Andy Helfer. The story opens with Hal as Green Lantern trying to calm down his new cellmate to keep him from screaming. Hal wraps a muzzle construct around the bunkie's mouth until the newcomer passes out from shock. Some time has passed. Charlie, Michael, and Willie wakes up to Hal playing plot synopsis guy. Tired from flying around the universe with Sinestro, Hal passes out as Willie contemplates taking the ring. But just as he is about to sneak the ring off Hal's finger, the Reveille alarm goes off, and Hal and Willie head out to breakfast. In the mess hall, Hal discovers that his new cellmate is quite the celebrity, as the entire populace is itching to get in a word with him. But after some prison tomfoolery, Willie spills his plate on a rough-looking prisoner who proceeds to pummel the undersized felon. Always playing a hero, Hal steps in to stop the beating, and almost gets some prison guard beat down until Guy Gardner shows up and defuses the situation. Fuming at Hal, the guards haul off the instigator as he claims that he knows that Hal is Green Lantern. It seems that this was one of the perps that Hal corralled during the bank robbery, and he has it in for our protagonist. As things return to normal, Hal and Guy chat some more about his case, and Willie chimes in that the guards in this prison might try some funny stuff with his buddy Hal. Fuming, Guy says that Hal doesn't need a convict like Willie as a friend, since people like him can't be trusted. Willie then shows how much he can be trusted by giving Guy back his watch, wallet, keys, and college ring. And jaunty banter ensues. Back in their cell, Willie and Hal muse over the fact that Guy has taken up Willie's case as well, until in a flash of green light, Sinestro appears. Sinestro tries to wipe Willie's mind of his presence, but Hal stops him, claiming that he needs someone to talk to about this. Sinestro acquiesces, and the two head off for more training. After a montage, We're gonna need a montage of Hal training and living in prison, we cut to Willie doing some janitorial work. Without warning, Willie overhears the robbers plotting about taking Hal's ring. As he tries to sneak off, he dumps over his mop bucket, alerting the crooks. 
Saying that he won't squeal, the perps make certain by pulling a shib on him. Cut to Hal in the shower, ladies, as he is approached by one of the guards who informs Hal that Willie is in the infirmary. Before Hal can head out to see Willie, Sinestra pops in and demands Hal accompany him to his home planet of Kurigar. It seems that the beacons that Sinestro has been sending to the planet have been ignored, and he is determined to find the reason behind this. Sinestro forms a uniform over Hal's freshly showered body, ladies, and the two head to Sinestro's home planet. But when they arrive, Hal's shocked to see the entire city adorned with banners in tribute of Sinestro. Amazed by how much the citizens must truly love him, the two lanterns fly over the oddly deserted streets until they are fired upon by the very citizen Sinestro has sworn to protect. Well, we finally see Sinestro's desire for perfect order has come back to basically bite him in the ass. All this time that he thought he was being the hero for Kurigar and that the citizens loved him, they were actually plotting revolution and his demise. So, it just goes to show you kids, don't obsess over things, especially about keeping things in order. It'll just come back to haunt you. But let's take a look at some notes. The cover is a really nice one. We've got a really angry-looking Sinestro pointing his ring at, well, essentially the reader, and a shocked Hal Jordan in the background trying to stop him while Sinestro's yelling, Beware my power, human, and prepare to die. It's a neat cover, and this cover doesn't have the kid and play hair, so Sinestro's looking a lot better. Page 5, panel 1. We get another shot of the prison, which is another shot of, essentially, Oz. But this time we've got some guys yelling, or guys talking to themselves, saying, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him. And then another prisoner is saying, so my lawyer thinks he's got him. You see, the court order for the recording was dated 20 minutes after I told them where the body was. So you're getting the idea that Hal's not really in a country club prison. There are some bad people in here. Page 7, panel 6. As Hal stops the thug from beating up Willie, he counters his argument with a Yo Mama crack. Yeah, Hal shouldn't do Yo Mama jokes. He's not good at them. Page 8, panel 4. We get Guy Gardner stepping in to stop the fight. Yep, it just shows that Guy was truly the real hero of Emerald Dawn 2. <laughs> okay, no he wasn't. I'm I'm just trying to promote Kai in any way, shape, or form that I can. Pages 9 through 10, we get some more exposition about how Guy is dealing with his rage and what he's doing to control it. And I'm thinking, well, probably about 20 years from this, he'll have a lot of rage going on and he'll have to learn to control it himself. Thankfully, Mogo will be there to help him out some. Pages 13 through 14, we get Hal doing a bunch of Green Lantern things with Sinestro, like diverting asteroids and blowing out fires with giant ring construct fans. While he's in the prison, he's watching people play chess, and he's playing football with some really thuggish-looking people, and you get a sort of comedic shot of the thug that was going to tackle Hal on the football field, you know, all knocked up in the infirmary with Hal saying... 
you know, he's sorry about what happened. So I was playing a bit rough on the, in the prison and in outer space with Sinestro. It's, it's a nice montage sequence. Page 15, panel 1. Willie is singing Deep Purple. And no, I don't mean the band. I mean this. Sing along if you want. Over sleepy garden walls And the stars begin to twinkle In the night In the midst of a memory You want to hold back to me Breathe in my name With a sigh Holy sweet jumping Jesus on a pogo stick Okay, kids, let's take a break and realize that the 60s and the 70s were a crazy time. But I think this is a prime example of why you should never, ever, ever do drugs. Because you might enjoy music like this. Page 17, we get a steamy shower scene with Hal Jordan in there. And the water and the steam all foaming up and I'm thinking in modern DC comics that this scene would probably have oh about 200% more rapiness to it however if you think about it 200% of zero is still zero but hopefully you get what I'm meaning page 18 panel 6 Sinestro uses ring to construct a uniform over Hal, and the uniform looks just like his uniform, to which on the next page, panel 1, Hal changes back to his own uniform. Now, there's subtle differences between the Green Lantern uniforms. Sinestro's is basically a green leotard being worn over basically a black bodysuit. Hal's has a little bit more covering. His goes over the shoulders and has his arms exposed. And, of course, Sinestro thinks that Hal should probably, and I'm certain Sinestro thinks that all the Green Lanterns should probably adopt his uniform. But the differences in uniform makes the Lanterns unique, and I I like that about the book. And page 20, yeah, you get the idea that Sinestro may be just a teensy-weensy bit of a control freak. As you get this image of the city where Every building is either adorned with the Green Lantern logo or the face of Sinestro. I mean, it eerily looks like something out of Germany circa World War II. It's really pretty creepy. And final note, page 22. Yeah, I think the people of Kurgar really aren't too pleased with Sinestro as they decide to open fire on him, screaming for death to the Green Lantern tyranny. But that wraps up chapter three. I'm going to be covering the next three issues the next Friday, and then after that we'll be going back to our regular format of single issues of Green Lantern until we get up to issue 25, where we're going to start covering Guy Gardner's solo series as well. So, I hope you've enjoyed the show so far. Uh, 
Thanks again, everyone, for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another brand new, all-exciting episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books could be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at just one of the guys, all one word, dot libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys Podcast. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks again for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Greenland Podcast. The opening music for today's podcast was Folsom Prison Blues by the one and only Mr. Johnny Cash, the man in black himself. If you'd like to listen to this song, or if you'd like to personally own this song, please feel free to head over to twotruefreaks.libson.com, click the Amazon.com banner at the top of the website, and go download the song, or even better, buy the CD from there. You'll be helping out a podcast friend of mine and making sure that fine, demonic or quality podcasts remain on the air.